Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I, I see where they're coming from. I, I don't hate them. They're, they're prioritizing their job, which is maximize profits. And they're not looking after me. I don't, that's not their job. I don't expect them to. So the writers have to look after ourselves. And at the end of the day, we want, we want the same thing that they want, which is they want to make boatloads of money. And we want to be the people who make them that boatloads of money. Right? That's it. We just want to be able to afford to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast someone who's going to make sense of the WGA strike and all the things that are going on in Hollywood or not going on. Screenwriter, showrunner, Michael Jammin is with us. Michael, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Oh, the honor's all mine, Uh, especially because you were the creative force behind King of the Hill Beavis and Butthead, I want to say, Marin, some little high comedy. I'm a huge Mike Judge fan. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I don't know about Creative Force. I was one of the writers on some of those shows. but uh, (laughs) I I think that qualifies. Okay. (laughs) So more recently, you've been uh, putting out various messages about something that a lot of people want demystified, which is this WGA strike. Uh, and appreciate the words of wisdom um, uh, a great deal. What's like a snapshot of the message you're trying to get out there? Well, okay, so it, it, I don't know if there is a snapshot, but basically the, the, t- the TV writing landscape has changed so much over the past, I don't know, say 10 or 15 years with streaming. So the, the uh, studios have changed their business model, uh, which is how they want to present TV shows, but they haven't changed the way writers have gotten paid. And so the result is that writers are making... 4% less uh, than we did 10 years ago, but adjusted for inflation, it's actually 23% less. Wow. And during that same amount of time, the studios, their profits have gone up by 39%, but adjusted for inflation, it's up 195%. Wow. So it's really just about being our, our compensation, basically, it hasn't kept up. Well, you're a man after my own heart because you had the numbers at your fingertips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and let me say that I'm sympathetic um, because I wanted to be a writer when I was young. Um, I went to law school, which is what a lot of uh, yeah. wannabe writers do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have friends who resemble that. Yes. Um, but the, the folks who do manage to write for a living, uh, I, I think people probably overestimate uh, both the money and the job security mm-hmm. that goes into that because yeah. they're, they're there uh, oftentimes for the love. Uh, they're genuine creators. 
Uh, and I've talked to several of them who've had a harder and harder time making a full-time living at writing. Even people who have very, very lofty credits to their name, shall we say. Yeah. Like people yeah. where you're like, oh, if you did that, you must be made in the shade. And then they are not made in the shade. And some of no. them are having to supplement their, their writing job with other work. Yes, for sure. Uh, you know, I've been, it, it gets harder and harder to make, to make a living. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It's, uh, it, it's, it's not, most writers are middle-class. They're not super rich. You, people have heard of a handful that are really rich, but most of us are not. Most of us, you, you know, there's no job security, which is okay. We, we go into the business knowing that, uh, most people who feel, you know, chase creative fields, like all right, they're, they're willing to sacrifice uh, the steady paycheck for the for the love of the, living a creative life, but um, no, we mostly we we're always we have one job and we're always searching for the next job. It, in some ways, it was easier when I first broke in. This is a long time ago. My first job was on Just Shoot Me, and so if you were on a hit show, you would work uh, let's say ten months out of the year, and most writers get paid per episode produced. So you do, let's say, 22 episodes a season. That's a good year. And then you take a short hiatus and you go back for the next season. That's if you're on a hit show. But now with streaming, if you're on a hit show, you might do eight episodes in a season. And how do you make a living? a lot less than 22. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot less. And then making it worse is the way the studios uh, are paying you. So that in the old days, you'd be uh, assigned on the show for the whole duration of the show to help produce the show. But now they only have you for pre-production. So maybe... For many shows, rather. Uh, so maybe you're only working, let's say, two or three months out of the year. So people think of this as the streaming strike, which you just described it as. Mm -hmm. um, one element of negotiations is something called a mini room. What the heck is a mini room? It, it can mean a lot of different things. But basically, in the past, a studio uh, or a network, they, they, you'd write a, a writer would sell a pilot. Uh, they write their pilot script. The studio or the network, they would read the script. They say, "Okay, we like the script. We'll shoot the pilot. If we like what we shoot, then maybe we'll put it on the air." Everything's a long shot, but that's the, that were the steps, and you get paid along each step. But now, the studios have realized, you know, they were they were uncomfortable absorbing that much risk. Maybe there's a way we could pass that risk on to the writers themselves. <laughs> and so now, uh, it's not uncommon for a writer to sell a pilot script to to a network and the network says okay we like it but we're not sure if we want to go forward with this so instead we'll order two or three more scripts from you we'll give you a small budget to hire a writing staff but but only two or three writers and we're not going to let you they're not going to get paid full we're only going to pay them a fraction of their rate because we don't know if we're actually going to put this on the air so therefore you should get a, a, a discount but that's kind of like walking in it requires a writer to the same amount of work to write an episode of television, whether you put it on the air or not. It's the same amount of work. And so it's kind of like walking into a deli and saying, how much for that turkey sandwich? Oh, it's $10. Okay, well, how much for that turkey sandwich if I don't eat it? It's still $10. I don't care what you're going to do with it. It's $10. But you're going to throw it out, Michael. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a, that's your decision to throw it out. <laughs> Yeah, and, and sometimes then they'll be like, oh, cool, we have these cheaper scripts uh, that we paid less money for, and let, let's use them. And and if you're a writer, it's hard to turn it down because you're like, yeah. well, shit, it's a paying job, and you know yes. it's a lower rate than normal, but at least I'll get paid that month or two months or whatever it yes. is. Yes, right. It's it's that or unemployment. So there there's the WGA, which has already gone on strike, and uh, people have probably seen people um, protesting in, in various ways. And then the uh, SAG-AFTRA... Uh, union voted to authorize a strike, uh, yeah. and then that could kick in a little bit later on. Can you help people understand the distinction? 
Yeah, so it's the same thing with the Writers Guild. First, when the, when negotiations aren't don't aren't going that well, and it doesn't seem like they're going to go that well, the guild sends out a uh, like we need a strike authorization vote, which means are you behind us? It, it sends a strong message to to um, who you're negotiating against, saying uh, the guild was like it was something like ninety eight percent of the guild said, okay, we author we are. We authorize a strike. We're not saying we're going on strike, but we're saying here's the threat is very real. If you need to go, if the guild membership says we need to go on strike, we're ready. And so 98% of the guild said, yes, you have our blessing to go on strike if need be. And negotiations broke down. The guild said, that's it. We're on strike now. So a high turnout and a high, uh, like that 98% is really hard to get. That's like 98%. You can't get people to agree that the sun rises, you know, in the East. Uh, So... This Especially issue, writers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you, but you, yeah, I mean, you're basically saying, yeah, we we agree to this. It's very hard, and so it, it was a strong turnout and a very strong. It sends a strong message. If it was only like 68, percent that would be like the the uh, the producers would know. Okay, they're not united on this. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy in that I knew if you're going to spend eight hours doing something, you should probably invest in doing it right. That's why I love Helix Sleep, which will send a mattress to your door that's made just for you. You take the Helix Sleep quiz and you get matched with a mattress based upon whether you want it to be soft, medium, firm, how you sleep, other variables, and then voila, it gets sent to your door and you can try it for up to 100 nights and send it back. They have a 10 plus year warranty because they believe in their product so much. I do too, my kids do too. They actually seek out this mattress even though it was designed not for them. (laughs) That's how good this product is. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple chiropractors and doctors because they think it'll make you healthier. Don't take my word for it. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So... There's this element of the fact that, look, streaming came along, completely changed the production schedules, the number of episodes, uh, comp didn't keep up. Um, and I think of this as the streaming strike, if you were to be very uh, you know, simplistic about it. But it's also somehow become the AI strike, uh, yeah. where apparently one of the earlier sticking points in negotiations was writers saying, look, you can't use AI to generate scripts. And then the studios are like, hard pass on that. Like, we totally <laughs> want to be able to use, <laughs> yeah. use AI. And and you have some opinions as to what AI can and can't do. Well, yeah. So the Writers Guild just wants to regulate it. And I'm not on the Guild negotiating committee, so I'm not exactly sure what they're asking for. But the studios, like you're saying, it's hard pass. That's off the table. We're not going to let you. Now, AI currently can't write anything close to being usable. Uh, the quality that we're writing currently. Uh, But the studios are at least optimistic that in the near future, it might be good enough and good enough is good enough. And so, and you know how AI works. It's, it's just a plagiarism tool that scrapes the internet for other stuff that we've written and amalgamates it and, and hopefully uh, we'll make something good enough. So no writer 
in their right mind. It's like signing your own death wish. No writer is going to agree to a contract that says, okay, yeah, sure, phase me out. Uh, I'll sign right here, phase me out. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I, people probably know I've been concerned about the impact of AI for quite some time. This is an early navigation of mm -hmm. uh, how AI is going to be used. Because if you're a studio, you're like, heck yeah, I want to be able to use this thing. Yeah. And if you're the writers, you're, you're like, well, like I'm not going to freaking help automate yeah. my, my, myself out of a job. I mean, you know, right. like I have to do this for years to come. Oh, when I did run for president, I ran on this notion that AI is going to eat a lot of jobs and we should start mm -hmm. giving everyone money. Uh, called it the freedom dividend, set it at a thousand bucks a month. Um, now that's not a whole lot in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but do you think that something like UBI would, 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 would help uh, people transition? I mean, it's sort of, a, you know, obviously it's like something of a leading question. You know, though, you know, I think about AI a lot right now, and it's it's so interesting. It's like it, we've created this god. Let's worship it, uh, this artificial god. You know, the arts, no one goes into the arts hoping to become rich. Like I said, that's why we, you're starving artists until you start making some money. And what the arts allow us to do is understand ourselves and help create something and turn something inside of us into something more positive and hopefully understand ourselves and our place in society and help other people do the same. But AI will never be able to write about the human experience because it's not human. And whatever it scrapes from the internet comes from other writers, but it'll never be authentic. It'll only be artificial. And so if you really are interested in writing something or watching something that really moves you, I think it has to come from a human. Now, I am interested to know what this is until AI becomes sentient. I mean, when then things change. But then AI will be able to write a story about what it's like to be a computer. And I'd be interested in reading that story. But right now, it can't do anything close to that. It's not sentient, and it can't write about the human experience because it's not human. And so if, if art moves you in any way, then I think you're going to need to put a premium on human writers. Yeah, this is humanity against the machine. It's uh, yeah. like a story of the um, modern day economy, uh, AI. It's one reason why I, I think this strike is so important. Uh, it's getting a lot of coverage in the press, but I don't even think it's getting enough, honestly. Uh, well, who, in, in who owns the media? <laughs> the media companies. Not the writers? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this, <laughs> this reminds me a little bit of politics, Michael. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it does. Yeah. But but that, social media helps with that, though, because that way writers can tell our own stories on social media and you can hear it from us what it's like. Well, you certainly seem like a human being, Michael. Yeah. Uh, you certainly <laughs> seem like uh, like a, a relatable professional and creative and people can, I'm sure, see themselves uh, in you. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is that I, I think there is this unfortunate tendency to uh, have like a preconception as to what it means to be a Hollywood writer. Mm -hmm. um, where yeah. folks uh, imagine you to be, you know, on top of the world um, mm -hmm. and the rest of it. Whereas I, I know that not to be the case for the vast majority of the, the members of the guild. Yeah, yeah. So you, one thing you also talk about is like it takes a while to get good uh, at screenwriting. You don't just uh, sort of come out mm -hmm. of the box. Uh, like yeah. what, what was that, that development process for you? It's so, you know, so many people say, I have a script. How do I sell my script? And like, they don't ask the question, well, how do I become a, a writer? Like, that's the first thing you, like, how do you write and learning how to tell a story that takes so long? Even when I first broke in, I was good enough to get a job as a staff writer, but I certainly wasn't good enough to know what I was doing. It took a long time. It takes a lot of work to figure out how to do this. And it's just a process. Of, finally, when you get to be good enough, when you get to be my age, 
then you're like, all right, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> it, it's just a long process to learn how to become a writer. So one thing people might not appreciate is how much guidance and mentorship happens in these writers' rooms. And a lot mm -hmm. of your posts, you talk about how uh, you were uh, the beneficiary uh, yes. of mentorship in various ways, and that having uh, everyone on strike actually is is damaging people in ways that people might not understand. Yeah. So when you first start on a TV show, like my, my first staff job was just shoot me and I was young and I was with your, you're on a writing staff with a bunch of experienced writers and a handful of, you know, brand new writers. And the, 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 the experienced writers like blew my mind, like how much they knew, how much it was like, I, I couldn't even, I was just in awe of them. And there's so much to learn from them. And it takes so much time to finally get up to their level, anywhere close to their level. And part of it, then, of course, is going on set and hearing how the upper level writers or the showrunner uh, talks to the director, how they interact with the actors, how they make uh, the decisions to actually produce the show, which is a whole different thing. And the way it is now, and that's, that's, like, that's a mentorship, basically. So, but the way it is now, new writers often aren't even invited to the set. They're not on the show long enough to be on set. And... It, like I don't know how they could ever possibly run their own show when they don't know the actual producing part of running uh, of creating a TV show. There's so much to learn. Yeah, that that would be tough. Um, uh, so it it sounds like that pipeline of experience is also something that's changing because of the way these shows are getting produced now. Yeah, yeah. Many new writers are not have never been on set. They could be on a show for three years and they've never even been on set. They have no idea what goes on after the words have been written on a page. Yeah, it would be impossible to run a show yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if, yeah. if you and haven't been on set. So many new writers say that to me. They say, I want to be a showrunner. Like, you don't even know what the job is yet. Hang on. You want to be a staff writer first and then maybe, maybe showrunner. So people have already seen an impact. Uh, a bunch of shows have gone into repeats or hiatus. Uh, there are various movies uh, and other um, TV shows that have stopped filming um, in, in various ways. And the, the sense of things is that the Screen Actors Guild is going to join the writers uh, mm -hmm. uh, in, in this effort. Now, as a, an avid consumer of content, first let me say that it seems like the main variable as to whether I think something is good or not is something I'm going to call good writing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like, you no, know, like yeah. if something's badly written, I just start, I just turn on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like watching some screaming show and then they do something that like strikes you as unrealistic or mm -hmm. out of character or just, you know, like overly convenient. And then you just like, you know, you, you turn the channel. And then the, the shows you do like, they have well-drawn characters uh, that you become invested in, mm -hmm. in various ways. So again, you can tell I'm very sympathetic um, yeah, to, the, to, to, to the writer's cause. So someone said that the last writer strike is, was behind Trump's rise to power because uh, they ended up investing in reality TV, including The Apprentice. And then that's how Trump wound up in everyone's living room. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, I know reality was around before the writer's strike. I mean, to Survivor, I don't remember when Survivor first came on, but it was a big hit long before the, that writer's strike. But yeah, uh, it certainly led to more reality television because they got to put something on the air and they decided to put that on. Yeah. Um, and so you'll probably see some kind of adaptation like that if this strike drags on and on. 
Um, I believe that writer's strike 15 years ago lasted a hundred days. Yeah. Something like three plus months. Yeah. Um, uh, I have this fear that this one's going to go longer mm -hmm. um, uh, because the issues seem somehow stickier and more uh, intractable or tougher to navigate. I will say that occasionally I have imagined what I would do if I were, let's say president of the United States or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, something crazy like that. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I actually think that it would be in the national interest for someone to try and mediate this thing. Um, and, and one of my great concerns about it dragging on and on is that I think the studios are going to say, hey, let's not give on this AI thing. Let's mm -hmm. just uh, like, like convert to reality programming. Uh, and we can outlast the writers because some of them don't have that much money. They're you know mm -hmm. human beings with households and bills uh, to pay and whatnot. Um, I, I think the studios are going to think that time is on their side. Uh, and, and that's something that's very dark to, to talk openly about. But ordinarily, you're in a position where it's like, look, I'm going to deprive you and my ability to uh, get a good deal is going to increase over time um, because, you know, like you, you need us. And they do need writers for sure. Um, but uh, on this one, like, I, I feel like the, the studios might think like, ooh, like, you know, we, we actually can wait this thing out. I, 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 I would like there to be like a, a real earnest, hard headed negotiation earlier rather than wait four or five months, uh, maybe even longer, unfortunately, um, yeah. to, to try and hammer out a deal that might look like something you could have figured out uh, earlier. But that's just, you know, me essentially imagining what I would do if I were somehow... Uh, in power and had the ability. Well, here's what I think is different than the 2008 strike. Uh, first of all, in 2008, you know, the studios had this on, on their side, which was, can you guys really afford to be out of work for three months or six months? And then the writer's like, yeah, I don't know, right? But yeah. in 2023, most writers already are out of work for two, for three months or six months. That's what the strike is over. So what difference does it make if we go on strike when we're already out of work? It doesn't change anything. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, yes, 2008 led to the rise of reality television. But, but back then, television was consumed differently back then. It was uh, most people were either getting free over the airwaves or they were paying for cable or uh, satellite packages. So you'd get a ton of channels, more than you ever needed. And you'd whatever, you pay for all of them. And they had to put something on the air. So they put reality television. But but today it's different. Most people, or at least half the people, are consuming through streaming networks. And streaming is a la carte. So you pay for this network if you like the shows on that. And if you don't like the shows, you'll watch that one. And they have a problem called churn, meaning you just finished watching Stranger Things on Netflix. You loved it, but now you don't want to pay for Netflix anymore. So you'll pay for this other streamer and, and you'll buy their, their shows. So it's all about what shows they have. So it's not like Netflix can just go ahead and put on some reality show because no one's going to pay $20 a month for that. They'll watch it if there's nothing else on, if they're already paying for it, but they're not going to sign up for it. And so that's the problem that the streamers have now is something called churn. And that changes the landscape. Yeah, for, for fun, let's talk about what's going on with some of these big media companies. It seems like it's a really rough time for them. Uh, Disney just announced it lost a bunch mm -hmm. of subs. Mm -hmm. Uh the, some of the weaker streamers like Peacock and even Paramount Plus. When Paramount Plus has had a ton of success with its 
uh, Taylor Sheridan universe, uh, you know, Yellowstone and whatnot. I don't have that. And so I, frankly, I, I feel a, a little bit like, huh, do I have to subscribe to this thing just to watch this Yellowstone? <laughs> right. But, right. And that that one show you would, you would subscribe if you wanted to watch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, speaks- totally. So, so a bunch of the streamers are having a rough go. Um, even the most successful streamer of them all, Netflix, uh, had it, saw its stock get a big haircut when it didn't have robust growth numbers going for it. Uh, they started to cl- clamp down. I literally got a call from someone who was using my Netflix password <laughs> the, uh-huh. the other day yeah. saying, hey, it might be time for me to get my own account because apparently Netflix now is clamping down on, on that stuff. And Netflix is the success story in this space. Uh, but most analysts who look at this space think there's like a finite number of streamers that will be mm-hmm. able to thrive long term. Yeah, there's probably more than than there need to be. Uh, the thing is, though, I always say that that's a you problem, not a me problem. So like when times are good for the studios and they make all these profits, it's not like they hand out bonus checks to the writers. You know, they they keep those profits. And then when times are not as good, well, that's a you problem, not a me problem, because I don't own I'm not an owner of the network, you know. And I, it's funny because I've had um, my wife and I we used to own a small business. Uh, it, was, it was girls apparel and we manufactured in the United States of America, which is an odd thing to do. But we did. And so as a small business owner, you know, we took care of our employees, our vendors, our contact because you need them. Our, you know, our contractors, you need them. And so I wouldn't pa- if I had a problem, I'm not passing it off to them. This is my business. I have to make it work. Uh, but it's different when you're these multinational conglomerates, they don't serve, they, they, they serve their, uh, their shareholders. It's all about share price. And so they're going to do what's best for their shareholders, not necessarily what's best for, you know, even their employees. I too was a small business owner. Uh, I loved it. It was good times, but you're right. You make a bunch of decisions and you don't crying on a river <laughs> about, about, what's, yeah, right. about what's going that's, on that's a my problem and like I, if i had to pay my employer i'm not you know if, if i had a bad month it's like i didn't tell my uh, my uh, my employees or my contractors well sorry it's like no that's a me problem i have to figure out how to make a good month well as a numbers guy objectively um, even if these studios are having a rough go in terms of their stock price, like that, they they can afford uh, to compensate folks at higher levels. I mean that that's objective. Well, uh, some of their executives are making a lot of money. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and some of these companies now have had massive run-ups. Even Netflix, which I just described. I mean, you know, they're they're still in the hundreds of billions of dollars in terms of uh, values, valuation. Uh, which, uh, you know, now it's a little bit lower than it was, you know, like 18 months ago, but, um, but it's still plenty in the scheme of things. So who is on the other side of this negotiation? When you think of studios, uh, is it, uh, and, and how does that negotiation work on their side? Well, so I'm not in those negotiating committees. I just know what I, what I know from the outside, but the studios, they band together under an umbrella that they call the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the AMPTP. And so these are ordinarily their competitors any other time of the year. They're always trying to take market share away from each other. But every three years, they they band together to negotiate as one because it gives them strength. Uh, and so that's who we're negotiating against. And was it the case that one reason the writer's strike uh, ended last time was like one of the studios came forward and said, OK, we'll mm-hmm. cut this deal? Yes, that's what that's how you uh, 
because you know the guild we're like nine thousand writers so how do you possibly stand up against these multinational conglomerates like it's it, they're, they're so big and strong and we're just a handful of writers and so the tactic last time uh was that you really just get them to turn against each other because they're natural <laughs> they're natural competitors they're they little game like, of thrones action yeah they don't they don't like each, they're not best friends and so uh, when you're when the strike is happening, they don't they can't make content. They're just sitting on their hands watching their stock stock prices go through the floor, and they can claim they have a different business model. But no, their the business model is, manu- is producing and selling television shows across the world. And so the last strike, uh, one of them stepped forward. It, it was United Artists, I think, was the first one that stayed after like two or th- two months of the strike. They came to the writers' school and said, "Okay, let's let's hammer this out and make a deal, an interim deal." And they proposed terms that were much more favorable to the writers with the condition that once the final deal was settled, that's the deal they would take. But then they had a competitive advantage over the other studios because now they're wow. back in the business of making TV shows and, and, and sure. movies. And so that's how you do it. You turn them against each other. Wow. Who's the weak <laughs> link this time? Who's the United Artists <laughs> right. of 2023? Yeah, United Artists was for, And then uh, maybe Letterman, maybe Worldwide Pants may have been first. I don't remember. And then... Also, Lionsgate, they were among the first to, to uh, you know, to drop. And then it's like dominoes because now they have an advantage over the others. Because, you know, they, they want to make TV shows. It is like the herd, man. You got to pick the weakest one. Yeah. Like the, the one that, <laughs> that really desperately wants uh, to steal a march on the others. Uh, like, I mean, when you say Lionsgate, I mean, Lionsgate's, you know, one of the less well-capitalized studios. Mm-hmm. So just look up the studios by market cap, find the lowest one, and then everyone shows yeah. up the door and be like, hey, we got a bunch of writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I, I see where they're coming from. I, I don't hate them. They're, they're prioritizing their job, which is maximize profits. And they're not looking after me. I don't, that's not their job. I don't expect them to. So the writers have to look after ourselves. And at the end of the day, we want we want the same thing that they want, which is they want to make boatloads of money, and we want to be the people who make them that boatloads of money. Right? That's it. We just want to be able to afford to be able to do that. Well, that's a very positive perspective. Let's say a human being uh, were to want to support you guys. Uh, how can they do so? Is there a way for uh, everyday Americans to say, "Hey, guys, uh, come to the t- table." pay the writers what they're worth. Uh, let, let's try and make this economy actually, uh, you know, work for folks. You know, people ask me they, um, on social media, because I, I do post every day on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and all that. Uh, they say, like, should we be, be should we be boycotting the studios? And right now the Guild is not calling for that. Uh, our goal is not to take down the studios, you know, that we help build. <laughs> it's like, we want, this is our business. We want it to thrive. Uh, we don't want to destroy it. Uh, we just want our fair share of it. That's all. Uh, in terms of helping right now, what you can do, uh, you know, is basically if you see on social media a, a writer talking about their experience, that's it. Just share it. That's all. It's free. Just so you know, uh, public sentiment, I think, counts for a lot. And just share that story. Uh, we're not asking for money other than we, uh, from, from, our, from our consumers or viewers. We just want you to share our, uh, what's going on. So th- this d- does occur to me. Is there a place someone could send a buck or two? If there is that like a fund to like help writers make it through this time? Are there rich writers who are subsidizing poor writers? Is there uh, uh, like any there, organization are, of that sort? Yes, there is, and I'm I'm afraid I don't even know what what it is. There is because I don't I haven't looked too much into it. I do know you could probably go to the WGA website, and there might be some links where you can contribute. For for writers right now, though, they say, "Well, do you have a strike fund?" So writers are not getting paid. We don't have a fund in terms of the guild is not paying us to be on strike. Uh, what they do have 
for us is you could take a no interest loan if you need it, but then you have to pay it back. I believe it's something like 180 days once the strike is over. So it's not free money. You got to pay it back. Uh, that's just for, for the writers. But if you want to contribute, I'm sure if you go to w, the WGA website, there's, there must be some links in terms of, uh, there are funds that the writers have put together for the other supporting industries, uh, you know, uh, grips and, and crew members and stuff like that to help them get through. Because of course they're suffering now as well. Everyone in Hollywood is, is, is paying for the strike because everyone's out of work. That's a great way to humanize it. We're talking about catering. Yeah. Catering. Um, uh, carpenters, camera people, yeah, even uh, coffee of... shops near the studios. I mean, they're hurting because there's no customers now. So everyone's hurting. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, again, uh, I think putting a human face on this uh, is important. And as someone who genuinely thinks that having continued cultural products is, is important for a society. I mean, heck, even if you just want, you know, stuff on your TV uh, or on your device, you want the strike to get resolved as quickly as it can. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, let's get back to work. Let's get back to work. That's a great way to put it. So if they want to follow you, Michael, um, uh, how can they best do so? Well, I post every day on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I'm at Michael Jammin, writer. Uh, yeah, come follow me. I post every day. I post anecdotes from what it's like to be a screenwriter, how to break into the business, how to be a better writer, how to live a more creative life, uh, what it's like. You know, stuff like that. Well, you are a, a very wholesome, positive person. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank I've, you. I've learned a lot from your posts. I hope people have learned from this conversation. Uh, good luck to you and yours, man. And uh, I hope that, that, that people do decide to um, come to the table and, and get this thing uh, wrapped up um, because it's just not good for anyone. Well, I really appreciate you for putting me on. Help amplify, amplify our voices because it really does help. So, Andrew, thank you so much for that. Really, dude. If I were president, literally, I'd be like, "Guys, no Hollywood strike on my watch. Let's come to yeah. the table and like bang this thing out." Because Pro shit. I mean, like, who wants to kill six months of? Yeah. Uh, I mean, six months. I'm being like pessimistic there. I mean, hopefully, it's less than that. But who wants to kill X days of content production where people could be working, living, eating, making magical stories yeah. come to life? Instead, for what? Like, be because you know, like because they're gonna drag their feet making a deal that we kind of know needs to be made at some point. Anyway, uh, don't yeah. get me started. Well, no, but, but you're right. I mean, like last time, you know, at, before, in 2008, right before the strike, it was the studio said, this is our best and final offer. Okay, we go on strike. And then three months later, suddenly their best and final offer has shifted. So all that could have been avoided if their best and final offer came earlier. All that could be avoided. You know what yeah. we need? We need the weakest studio to step up. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> Make the deal. Yeah. That's what we can do. It. Let's find that slow gazelle so that they could get uh, separated from the herd. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking at you, Peacock. <laughs> no, I have no idea who it is. <laughs> I don't know who, it, I don't know who yeah. it is. I just insulted Peacock. Whatever. Thank you again, Andrew. It really is a pleasure. It's a pleasure you know, meeting you and, and, and talking to your audience. So. You too, Michael. Hopefully we have something to celebrate before too long. Yeah. Thank you again. 